you want to feel these emotions. You want to feel proud of yourself. You want to feel happy. You want to feel at ease. You want to feel released. So why not create a system where the entry point of the system is to practice feeling these emotions? Wake up every morning and to practice feeling proud of yourself, to practice feeling at ease, to practice feeling loved. And then when you do that, three things happen. First thing, you start to enjoy your life. Second thing, you stop being an asshole for everybody around you. Even if you're the superstar, the number one, you stop being an asshole. You start to be a real human being in the present moment, enjoying life and having gratitude for what's there. And third thing is you come to the competition, to the court, to your office with some detachment, some unattachment. Because you know that it's not, it doesn't matter if you end up being number one or if you sell your company one billion. It's not because of that that you are someone, that you can be loved and you can be someone. So all this is gone. And then now you, you get something back, which is something we had when we were a, a, a kid. You get your freedom back. And you're free. And when you're free, acceptance 100% and you perform. And that's it. And welcome to episode five of the Ultra Speaking Podcast. Hey, it's Tristan de Montebello. Very excited with this podcast. We were lucky enough to interview Romain Bastide live during a five-hour stream. This was one of the most fascinating conversations I've ever been a part of. So I'm very excited for you to, to listen to Romain and to listen in on everything he has to share with us. Romain is the founder of Mindful Champions. He is a world-class high-performance coach who used to be an investment banker, bringing in the big bucks, chose to completely switch directions, change his life, and he's been helping other people reach peak state and achieve incredible feats in sports and business. Romain is fresh out of our flagship course, Ultra Speaking Fundamentals, which makes this conversation even more interesting, I find, because he's able to talk about what we do from the point of view of high performance and brings in all of his experience. If you want to learn more about Romain, check him out at mindfulchampions.com. He has a lot of content there. He even wrote a book on entrepreneurial burnout and has a lot to teach us all. Without further ado, please enjoy one of the most fascinating conversations I've had this year. You're in for a treat. We're here with Roma Bastide. And this interview I've been I've actually been looking forward to the most out of our five hours because there's just something so special about the perspective that Roma brings. Um so what I want to learn about today, of course, a little bit of your story, because um, you started off as a banker, Roma, and you ended up coaching one of the world's best tennis players and, and a billionaire and all these uh, atypical people. And so I, of course, want to know how you went from banker to performance coach. And then hopefully the direction will take us somewhere magical. 
Um, but I would love to, by the end of it, also get your take on what you see in ultra speaking that you see in other areas of your of your life. I know you do Wim Hof breathing and and have really dove into that. So I'm really excited for this conversation because I want to learn so much about how you see the world. Um, so let's get started, man. Thank you for being on on our on our show. And uh, maybe you could tell a little bit to people that don't know you. Um, like, what's your journey been? How did you go from banker to entrepreneur to coach? Well, first, people have to know that I'm very impressed to be with the teachers in the same room. And then my journey, my journey yeah, I, I think it started as an accident. I became a, a banker in a trading room and I spent maybe 11 years doing it. And every morning during the 11 years, I would wake up uh, feeling bad, feeling depressed. And I didn't want to go. And I had to go. And everybody outside was thinking, hey, Roma is very successful. He's making a lot of money. He's a superstar. But I was miserable, like literally. Um, it literally, it took me 11 years to have the courage of living something I know what's was not in align with my uh, with my soul and my purpose and what I really wanted to do in life. And then I kind of asked for a sabbatical, which was the first step to commit suicide, uh, bunking suicide. <laughs> and then when you ask for a sabbatical, it means that uh, you're out of it. And then two years later, I managed to get out. And, and then I started to create a startup. It was a startup where I put people together and I will create, like you do, a cohort of people. But instead of learning public speaking, they will learn how to quit smoking together. And then during 21 days, they will support each other, cheer each other, get some coaching, get some support. And after the first 21 days of their quitting experience, instead of being a pain, uh, instead of being suffering, they will just like enjoy making new friends, do some new activities, yoga, meditation. And then after three weeks, without noticing, you will have quit smoking. So uh, we try to literally change the to change the experience of quitting smoking. I did that maybe for three years, and after three years, I think I was fed up. Like everybody will only talk to me about smoking. <laughs> I was like, no. It was a it was a first step, but I think what I really love is like helping people. And I mean, since I'm a kid, I'm a I'm like everybody is in in this room. I'm a competitor, like. I want to learn. I want to be the best. I want to, I want to compete. I want to learn new things. And and my journey has been about that. And then I realized, okay, I'm not an entrepreneur. I can't be a CEO. I can't have just one project and go and do it every day. I feel bored after one week. So I'm not a good entrepreneur. But the only way I could do that is if I could have 15 or 20 different businesses or projects at the same time, which is not realistic. And then I realized, okay, coaching, projects, performance, meditation, mindfulness, well-being, what could I do? And in 2015, I started to create my own uh, business, my own coaching practice, telling people that I'm going to coach like superstars and champions, but I, I had literally no clients. And I made myself like a, a business card uh, written like magician because I, I didn't like the word coach. The word coach, I thought it was bullshit for me. 
So I said, okay, I'm gonna be a magician and I'm gonna have like champions and I'm gonna like be in their life and help them. Like first month, no client. <laughs> I will, I will yeah. go to dinner. I will go to dinners and like keep the face and telling to people what I was doing, like coaching high performers, coaching champions, and really even more than fake it until you make it. I was really like building the confidence and pretending that I'm someone I was not yet. And then the funny thing is that my first client was a was a previous investor of my startup. So it was someone who lost money in my startup. And he came to me saying, okay, I want to do this with you. And I thought, okay, is he doing this to please me or is he, is he serious? But I took it. It was my first client. And then I think it's uh, once you get the first one and you get the confidence. And then the most difficult part for me was to be patient. To find the patience of not having like a multi-million dollar coaching business in one week was very challenging for me. Um, learning to put some space, to breathe, and to be confident that if every day you do the right thing, meaning you try to serve people and to connect with people you want to work with, that at some point, all these little seeds are going to become flower and you're going to get what you want. And it took me a couple of years to do that. And now I'm in that place where every morning I wake up and instead of being like in pain and not wanting to go, I'm just excited to go. And I I have the chance of working with an artist, a sports player in different sports, tennis, golf, and like top entrepreneurs, CEOs. And um, I love it. And yeah, I did the course. I did the course because I'm a, I'm a student of learning of life and um a student of the, of the flow and also I wanted to improve my um, my public speaking skills and it was a challenge for me also because as you can hear I'm not English I'm French and doing it in English doing all these games under pressure in English was really uh, interesting for me and I was scared but I did it and it's so um, yeah it's life changing that's what I'm here right now well, we're going to we're going to dive into that. I I'm I'm so curious because where I want to propel the conversation is is a little bit forward. Um you're now fast forward to today, you you're coaching very interesting people who I think what they have in common is they seem to be at the top of their game in one particular game, whether it's tennis or investing or something like that. So what I'm really curious about is is what is it that you do for them? And how are you able to serve the entrepreneur, the athlete, and the investor with a skill set that that you've cultivated yourself, having maybe not any of these top-level skills yourself? What is it that you have or that you can see in others to help them elevate their game? Yes. Um, I think what's funny about it is that I learned so many things. I did so many trainings. I learned so many tricks and tools and methods to be able to coach people and to kind of transform their life that um, I got in a place where I was so confused about it because I knew too many things. And at the end of the day, I think what I do best is to is just to be there for people and to create a space for um, people that are surrounded by people, by success, by money, um, that have no space for themselves, meaning nobody is really listening to them. 
They can't really complain to anyone. They can't give their secrets to anyone because they are on top of their game, like like you said. So, and they are also very uh, scared that when someone come in, in their life, that they are here to take something from them. So I think my greatest gift is maybe that I uh, I'm able to create that space and to make people feel safe. And as Ali was saying, just to be vulnerable and not having to create another story, but just be in a space where you can be yourself. And it's very challenging because as you saw in the freestyle, the main, the main challenge in freestyling is not freestyling, it's about not getting stuck in your head with all the comments and all the internal comments, the YouTube comments and, and, and keep going. And it's kind of the same for everybody, even if you're number one in the world or just freestyling for fun on YouTube with some people listening, it's the same. You get stuck. You get stuck in your head at some point. And I'm trying to help them to uh, get out of this head and can just I, be... Can I jump in? Because yeah. make, make this real for me. Um, people are are people are trying to excel at a skill. Yeah. They're trying to be the best in the world at tennis. They're trying to make a lot of money. They're trying to get their company. And, and you're saying that there is this other ingredient that has nothing to do with the skill itself, that has something to do with feeling understood, uh, feeling heard, maybe some other feeling that I haven't captured yet. Uh, help me connect the dots. How does one area, which seems very much out here, help with the performance of the actual skill? Yeah, I think when you have to perform under pressure, it's um, all the works that all the hours that you put before are at stake because the the more you prepare yourself, the more you are able to perform under pressure. But I think it's also your ability to uh, to just be present in that space and forget everything, just no mind, no thoughts, just be there. And this skill gets hijacked, gets interference from lots of things in your day-to-day life. Like if you had an argument with someone, if you didn't sleep well, if you don't eat well, if anything can come up in that specific moment and pop up and then it becomes an interference. Um, I think what I help people is really to uh, be clear about all the potential interferences that could come clean them, but also become flexible, become like we do in the course, be, be expect, the, expect the things to go wrong, expect the worst not to come, expect the, the ball to go, to go in the net and not be surprised if it goes, because otherwise you're just fearful in your head again and it doesn't, it doesn't work. This is... Um... It's so interesting because I never, I never put two and two together. Everything you're saying is basically what we say with speaking. It's the exact same thing. I even, I wrote it down because you said it so well. The biggest challenge with speaking isn't speaking. It's getting yeah. into your head. Everybody already knows how to speak is what we say. And I always hear people at the top of their game in, in sports say at, at this level, it's, it's about it's about mindset more than anything. Yeah. 
And I never really understood what that meant. I'd imagine it's like, okay, they have, I don't know, I think they have to have a solid mindset. They have to have a bulletproof mind. But I had no idea what that actually meant. And listening to you speak and tying this with speaking ourselves, with our speaking coaching, I realized that it's, it's all the same. It's all about entering flow. Is it, yeah, is it as simple as that? Yeah, it's as simple as that. But the problem is that when you're a high performer, you want to be performant. You want to win. And everything you do is a performance. You want to win. And that's why you are there. It's because of this mindset. It's because of this work, because of this attitude. But it's also the biggest limitation. Because at some point, when you too much want to win, when you have to win, when you need to win, when it had to happen, when it needs to happen right now, when you need the rims in the freestyle to go right now, that's specifically when it doesn't come. That's specifically when your mind goes blank, and that's specifically when you do the d- double thought in tennis when you surf for the game. So there's why a that? why. Why is that? That this insane drive to to want the outcome to happen is the biggest obstacle. Obstacle. Why? Because there's something behind, which is the, which is very uh, important. That at some point your level of acceptation, of acceptation that things could go wrong, that you could lose, that you could die, is very low. It's like you go live on stage and you want to be great. You are very prepared. You did everything to prepare yourself and. If before going there, you don't have an acceptation that it could go wrong, it doesn't mean that it's going to go wrong, but it could go wrong. There's a possibility that it could go wrong, that you have the right to lose. Nobody will judge you. You will still be loved. But if you don't have this inside you, then it's too much. And under pressure, it's going to be too much because you don't want to die and it's too much. Sometimes it's going to help you, but sometimes it's going to make you completely lose your game. And what's funny about all the people I work with, even if they are entrepreneurs in sport or artists, they all started because they were creative. They were like a kid. They were inspired. They wanted to do something. They wanted to achieve things. They wanted to create a new future. They wanted to win. And they they were like kids. And it's basically being like a kid that helps them to learn, to grow, to win. But then it became so serious. It becomes very serious because there's money at stake. You have sponsors, you have investors, you have clients, you've got people working for you. So it becomes very serious and you need to perform. And then you wake up in the morning and you have to perform. And that's when you get burned out. That's when you you lose sense of what you're doing. That's when you feel very lonely. And it's the same with speaking. You need to surrender to go deep in the process to play the games but to accept that you could look like shit (laughs) and it's okay and if you accept that it's okay then you forget about it you stop thinking unconsciously about it all the time like if if it could go wrong if it could go wrong if it could go wrong like i'll give you an example Uh, in golf golf is the most is one of the most um challenging game mentally because if you take all the best athletes in golf, roughly they all have the same level technically. They all have the same 
potential like 0.1%, it's all the same. It's really not about the technical. It's just about the ability under pressure to deliver your potential. And imagine you're at the beginning of a hole and you look at the green. So that's your target. That's when you say that's your arrow. That's where you want to go. And it's important to know where you want to go. It's important to visualize because it puts you in the right in the right state of mind, in the right physiology, and it's great. But then you need to forget about it. Mm. If you don't forget about it, not good. And also coming back to what I was saying is that if, for example, there are some obstacles like the water or the banker, and if you, if in your mind you say, I can't go there, I don't have to go there. I don't have to go there. Well, basically you're going to go there because you're so much attached to not going there that all your nervous system is focused to there. You have a new target. It's to go in the obstacle. And it's the same thing with not accepting to lose. If you don't accept to lose, that you could lose, that you could miss, then unconsciously you're thinking about that all the time. Ooh. What if it happens? What if, what if, what if? And then that's, that's when your mind... When your mind go blank, that's when when you freestyle and the rims don't, don't come. But if you accept that you can fail, that you can be yourself vulnerable and that nothing's gonna happen, then you're okay. And I think at the end of, at the end of the day, it's all about um, yeah, it's all about self love. What well, so? I understand that this, this, what you just said, just exploded my brain because I, I shared the exact same example or a very similar example that's, you know, in driving, if you're trying to, you have to look where you want to go. And if you start focusing on the place you don't want to hit, you're going to hit it skiing, anything. And I was talking about that very example, I think yesterday, Yeah. but you brought it to a level of nuance that I'd never thought of and that it, it's just, it hits home. It's if you don't accept that you can lose it's the same idea then you're then the fear of losing is the thing is is a focus and if that's there then you're going straight into that if i don't accept that i can fail then of course you're going to fail or fumble or stutter or whatever it is that's not happening and i i feel i felt that so intensely in the freestyle rapping i've overcome it in speaking yeah but in freestyle rapping it was so real it's the same thing because for example in golf you only have one ball so it's so important that you put all your concentration, all your attention, and you want, you have your target, you do your routine, and then you miss. The ball is out. And then you take a second ball. You have two shots penalty, you take a second ball. You don't care about anything. You don't even know where the target is. You just go and you swing it and poof, it goes right in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Why is that? The, Why is the, that? The, the the error like if, we do, what, if we do the what, freestyle again right now i put you in the place again right now all the yeah. words are gonna come right now yeah because it's done you failed so your level of acceptation now it's 100 yeah. percent. you don't care so can tell I, me about can i ask a, a, a can i ask a quick question before you jump in because yeah. um i just want to explore the extreme side of it which is the person that is a little bit delusional but 
does not accept failure and instead uh, blindly believes in absolute success. Meaning, uh, it's the guy from Fire Festival, if you guys remember yeah. that dude. It's the guy That's that says failure. A psychopath. That's what? Psychopath. Sociopath. Yeah. Sociopath. The, the, well, Tony Robbins says uh, uses this example of if you want to take over an island, burn your boats. Meaning, don't have a, a plan B where you re- return home. There's only one option. It's you take over the island or you die. And death is yeah, not an option. What's that? It's it's the same thing. If you burn your boat, you accept to die. So your level of, accept- of acceptation is 100%. So you think the person that is saying, you ask him, like, how do you feel about playing the number one in the world? And they say, I feel amazing. I'm going to win. Like, this is this game is mine. Do you think they are deluding themselves into a confidence where they're just not willing to look at the other possibility or do you think they or do you think that type of mindset is actually a champion mindset it's a challenging question i think for some people it's real they are born like this they are it's deep in their dna and deep in their mindset they breathe like it they know that they're going to be number one and they at six years old they say it and they become number one in the world and for some people, it's fake. <laughs> they just try to convince themselves, but they don't even believe it. What do you and think for... is, is the, the most common amongst the number ones out there, the best in their businesses? Which do you think is the more dominant mindset? Acceptance or blind certainty? Both. Like if you, take, if you take Rafael Nadal, I think he's convinced that he's the best in the world and that he can be the best in the world. But when he plays, no matter who is playing, even if he's like a, a 19 years old or 200 in the world, he will show him respect and he will accept that it's it's possible that he lose. But it's different because he will go there and he will put everything in the game and he will put everything that is in, in his control to win the game. Everything in his attitude, everything, he will give everything. And that's where you should be proud of yourself is if at the end of the game you gave everything, then you're on the right path to become number one. If at the end of the game you won, but you shitted, you you were not like very honest and very uh, into it, well, it's not really a win. Maybe it's a win, maybe it's money, maybe it's points, but you're not winning the, the internal battle the internal um, match and there's it's always this internal game about yourself and yourself judging yourself we all we always say like in performance you need to you need to uh, get out of your own way it's the same with speaking it's the same with golf same with tennis you need to get out, out of your own way but to answer the question i think Certainty, it's not something psychological for me. It's something physiological. When you go in a place of certainty, it's the same thing you teach in speaking. You put your body, you put your brain in a place where there's full confidence. You play as if it was full confidence. And with the physiology of full confidence, if you walk like it, if you breathe like it, then it comes. If you... If you enter the court and you feel like this and you feel miserable and you feel like everybody is watching you, 
then nothing's coming. So it all starts with the physiology. I have a, I have a question here because how do you, how do you bridge the gap in between understanding all of this knowledge and actually feeling it because I find that I've, you know, with freestyle rap, in a sense, I walked into there with a lot of this knowledge because I've spent, I've dedicated the last four years of my life thinking only about this and speaking, and it's exactly the same thing. Yet, for some reason, I was confused, and I still am with with freestyle rapping. There's there's certain things that I, I may understand conceptually, but I haven't been able to embrace and i wonder if that what what that might be well i'm sure you know the answer it's uh, it's also all about practice i mean practice 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 and not practice three years ago and then practice now about practicing a little bit every day and it's also about failing that <laughs> uh, because today what you experience today which i will not call failing but which is like not something you expected is something which is going to help to go to the next level. And if you don't have this, you, you're not really challenging yourself to go to the next level. So I think it's the perfection of it. It's, and if you look at an athlete, I mean, if you could, if you could look at the, the millions of hours where, where he's been playing and in competition, yeah, there's so many, so many moments like this. So actually, <laughs> I expected it to go like this. So that's that yeah. might be the reason why it uh, went like this. That when you said that, I'm like, wait, I this is exactly how I imagined it would go. And there was a tiny moment yesterday when I was spending the three minutes of freestyle rapping that I spent in the last whatever three months freestyle rapping and everything was coming out where I had a little bit of hope. But the reality is when when the time came and the music went on, I, I felt what I tend to feel freestyle rapping and I realized, man, what you said, if you, if, if you don't accept, you can lose your, the, my focus was there. My, I, I, my, I wonder if it was a, if I created a self-fulfilling prophecy or if in diluting myself, I didn't create the right mindset to be able to come in with a, with a free mind. Yeah, I think it's, uh, Sometimes uh, we go to some play, some competition, and we think we are preparing ourselves, authorizing ourselves to be successful at it, and give us, giving ourselves permission like to go and freestyle and have people watching you and be in the flow. But if you're really honest, and that's something that's very important, that's what I bring to people when we work together, is that learn to observe yourself. Learn to observe the patterns in your head. Learn to observe how you react in specific situations. Do you make jokes? Do you run away? Do you become very serious? Do you stop breathing? And the more you can become conscious of what's going on, the more you can change it progressively. But at the beginning, when you become aware of what you're doing, it's it's not pleasant because you see all the all the stupid and bad things that you do. And that's the four steps of learning. First step, 
you're unconscious, you're unconscious, you don't even know that you're doing it wrong. Second step, you become conscious that you're doing it wrong. Then you practice, practice, practice with repetition, with fun, slowing down, accelerating with a safe environment, with the learning switch on. And then you become consciously competent. You know how to do things, you know how to freestyle, but you need to put your attention in a very specific pl place so that the, the words and the rhymes happen. And then you practice, practice, practice. Maybe you go back, you feel like crap, you feel like you don't, you don't get anything anymore. And then, poof, you go to the next level, you go to the roof, and then you come at a place where you can just do your signature, you can just tie your shoes, and you're completely unconscious and completely competent. And that's the beauty of the, the real flow, that you don't have to think about anything, it's just come. And all the sports, people in the world, they are looking for that, to that place where they can go on the court and don't have to think about the, the position of the end, don't have to think about anything and just be there and play. And this place is a place of extreme competence, extreme confidence, but it's also a place of acceptance and also a place of being playful. Being playful even if, if it's very serious. And that's all these components that are the, the experience of the flow and that you bring in the course uh, in public speaking, which is great. I want to jump into something in the practice component of this, where at that level, right, the the person who's who's been to the Stanley Cup finals seven times is more prepared than the person who this is their first Stanley Cup yeah. and there's a lot of pressure. Although, arguably, they could be the same skill level, objectively. So I'm curious, when we were speaking a little while ago, you brought in some Wim Hof breathing as well. And you were talking about how what's interesting about Wim Hof breathing, and I, I want you to put this in your words, but this idea that like, Sometimes all you need is two minutes to shock the system and get most of the rewards. And this like very short stress on the body to, to get the majority of the impact. And I'm wondering how that might apply to practice and to pressure. Yeah. I guess what I'm, what I'm asking is to I learn many quick. I hear many, many questions. So I can answer I, many questions. I, I know, but but what I'm trying to, I, I do this all the time, but what I'm trying to get to is like when we're in practice mode and when we're in learning mode and we want to learn faster, like Tristan wants to accelerate his freestyle rapping even faster. Okay. How do you, okay. how do you do short, how do you practice better? Well, first you practice with, um, well, five years ago I read, I, I read a book which had nothing to do with uh, performance and nothing to do with flow. It was a book from a lady who was helping um, kids with special needs. And she's helping them to, um, to learn and to basically not learn faster, but to re-educate the brain and the body and to, to learn again. And I think it, she's, a, she, she's a, a, a therapist and she's not in the performance area, but I really, I really, I read the book and it's, <laughs> she understood everything. You could take the book and put it to what you're saying. And she, she defines the, the, um, the answer with like nine principles. 
The first principle is like to play with variations. That's what you do in your in your fundamental course. There's different games, different variations. It goes fast, there's some reps, different variations. So you need, like if you want a kid to learn how to go from ear to ear, you don't tell him to go from ear to ear 1,000 times. You help him do that and maybe do that and then do that. You do some variations and then the brain is learning, learning, learning. Then there's something which is uh, to slow down. Like if you want to take this, instead of doing this, it's to go very slowly and take it very slowly. By slowing down, you learn. Then for the kids, but it's the same thing for adults, You, she says you need to put the learning switch on. Like it's either zero or one. And you see it with your kids at home. If you want to teach them how to, to do something, is the learning switch on? And that's your job to put the learning switch on or to check Meaning. that it's on. Meaning that there's full, full attention to what you're doing and not in your head doing something else. And also like with kids, it's like the, you see the eyes opening, you see the smile, there's a, there's a body engagement into it. And then um, you've got, um, she defines like nine principles, but I, I, will tell, I will give you the book. It's called Kids Beyond Limits. And then at the end of the nine principles, the most important principle, which is, which regroups all the principles is awareness. To become aware of what you're doing, of what's going on. And this is a practice that doesn't take one rep, it takes an entire life of becoming aware because there's so many things going on in nature, so many things going on in your brain that to have this discipline of just be there and observe things and become aware of what's going on without judging things is the extreme skill. So to answer the question and to come back to Wim Hof method, there's also something that, which is very good for learning, is that if you do five hours of something, you get intoxicated by something and you don't learn. It goes the other way. And it's the same with the body. If you want to teach your body how to be more resilient, how to be more flexible, how to be more healthy, um, there's something in nature called the Hormesis principle. And it says that um, the best way to do it is to put your body in challenging, stressful situation for a short period of time, respecting your uh, capacity to adapt, meaning you don't go too far. And one, uh, one environment, one um, ingredient that helps to do that is, for example, the cold. If you go into the cold, like if you go in, in the ice bath or under a cold shower, if you can stay just for a few seconds to start with, but be really mindful, really present, breathe, observe what's going on and decide to stay there, you're learning. You don't do it two hours, you don't do it 10 minutes, you just do a few seconds to start with. And every day, you build up. First day, you do maybe 10, shower, 10 seconds under the shower, the cold shower. Next day, another 10 seconds. And then you build up 50 seconds, 30 seconds. And then you come to a point where there's no point doing 15 minutes. If you do two minutes, it's enough. You have your all your learning experience, all the effects for the body are there in two minutes. Hmm. 
Mm -hmm. It's like you're not... The point is not to be able to survive the cold, uh, the ice for 15 minutes. It, it feels like the point is to uh, be mindful of what your brain does when it gets that yeah. stimulation and notice the fighting, notice the resistance, notice the patterns, and then over time, train it to do something different. Exactly. And what's interesting about the call, the extreme call, is that everything you want us to experience in the public speaking course, in the ultra speaking course, in the cold, you don't have a choice to experience it. Because when you go in the cold, the experience is so extreme for the brain, for the reptilian brain that wants to protect us, that it's like all red flag. And the, the pain is so, is so high that if you try to control things, if you try to be the man with your big ego staying in the cold, like maybe you can stay for a few seconds, but it's not going to work because it's so extreme. So the only way, the only way you can manage to stay in the cold, and we come back to everything we've been saying in the hour, the only way you can stay in the cold is by accepting. Accepting what is. Accepting the pain. Accepting the sensations. Accepting that there's a part of your brain screaming that you're going to die. And go deep in that, no mind, and just surrender and just like in public speaking use breathing use breathing to slow down like the first time when you go in the call it's so intense that i give only one objective to people is just to 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 breathe and to excel as long as possible to try to go like eight seconds exhaling and that's the only way you can slow down. And at the same time, your brain is going, but then you need to. And then what happens, the beauty of it is the beauty of the flow and what we notice in, in speaking and in freestyle that at some point you stop fighting. You just stop fighting. And when you stop fighting, everything opens and, and it's beautiful because you are in, in, a zero degree Celsius water and you start to smile and you start to feel alive and you start to feel at ease and it's beautiful. It's really beautiful. Oh, this, is, uh, it's, this is what happened to Luli this morning. I don't know if you, if you were there, but we coached Luli um, the first hour of the stream and in the last 10 minutes, it, she broke, it opened up and she let exactly. go and it was just magical. And it was the, the oversaturate, just too much, too much, too much. Like you were saying, like, I can't hold all of this. And then suddenly poof, let go. And when we asked her to describe it, she described it as, as how did she describe it? It was, it was so beautifully said that I don't want to, I, I forgot her words. Yeah. But it was, it was something about feeling most like herself and being able to yeah. flow into something. Oh, she, 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 it's like she was contained the whole time and suddenly she went outside of that container and it was infinite and she was almost right. floating. And you feel infinite, you feel connected, you feel unified, you feel part of everything, you feel 
also you feel the the experience of the flow and and in sport is also this experience of being in a place of nothingness there's nothing mm. it's just pure energy you don't even know if you're there mm. yeah like, like there's this story like um that the mother of me told me that about tiger woods who who, who said that the biggest shots you had to do in tournaments under pressure, he just don't remember them. He don't remember anything. He doesn't remember anything. He just remember when he takes the clubs out of the bag and he remembers when the ball lands. But in between, no memories. Mm, that's beautiful. We get that and that's, so many times with that, our games. And that, and that's what's interesting because when this happened, let's say, for example... You tell your story about your freestyling one night when you've been singing, doing the, doing the, um, the reggae vibes, and then you had this experience. Mm-hmm. And I forgot what I was saying. <laughs> it had flow, to do with flow, forgetting baby. and flow. For, well, this is perfectly topical, but it had to do with Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods forgetting the experience he was in. When yeah, it was high performance, but this is something I, like we had Sudan gone. on on the on the it's gone. on the chat. No, I got it. I got it back. I got okay, it back. Go I got it back. So basically, when it happens and when you experience the flow for the first times, and maybe a couple of times, then you become attached to the experience of flow, and you want the flow yeah. to happen again. Yeah. And then it's like the drug. You want your drug to happen again, and then again, your level of acceptance becomes low. Because you're not in the present anymore. You're you're living in a world where you want today the same experience mm. that happened years ago to happen today. So you're in your head again. And that's the ego. That's the ego coming back from the back door, stepping his way very slowly, and then no flow again. So there's this this thing in I'm not good at martial arts, but I like the which is called the, the beginner's mindset. It's to say when you become like the, the master of your uh, at your craft and you know everything in the world and you won all the games like the thing that you do when you when you step in when you enter you just forget everything you forget everything you leave your notes you forget everything and you just do as if it was the very first time that you're here the first time that you speak the first time that you play and you just go there being present with every second, with every second. When I say present with every second, it's also something important that usually presence has become a tool to become performant nowadays. But it becomes a tool, but it's not really presence because you say, okay, I'm going to be present so that I'm going to be performant. So you, you, you're doing something to get a result. You're preparing something, you're doing a pre-shot routine to get a result. That's not presence. That's better, but that's not presence. Being present is every second has the same importance. When you prepare the shot, when you hit the ball, when you look at the ball, leaving your club, it has the same importance. If it doesn't, then you're at risk. On on one side, I'm seeing the like, the practice is being very difficult, this kind of like hyper focus on every moment. And and on the other side, I think of kids who have no concept of presence and, and they're just every day is, is magical for them. 
and they're achieving presence without even being mindful of it. So what's the pathway for adults that are kind of in the middle that are skilled somewhat and want to, they do want to get better. So they do have some objective, but they also know that presence is the answer. Well, what's, yeah. where do they go? I think it's, it's all about the entry point. Which entry point do you choose in your attention to become present? So I can give you a few examples. For example, I just give you a first one. If you use your eyes, like right now, if you really use your eyes and you really look at what's in front of you, but really like you look at it as if you were five years old and you discover the world and you are very curious. You see the shapes, you see the color. You don't judge anything. You just look. If you could, if you could maintain that focus, just the look, it's the way of getting in, in the flow. Because if you do that, it means that your thinking brain is busy by is getting busy and channeled in doing that, and then everything is gonna is gonna flow. So that's one example. You can do that in public speaking. I guess it's very powerful. You go in front of the audience, and instead of being in your head, you just look. But you look sincerely, like every second is important. Every second you discover something new when you look and you look and you look and then the the, the words start to flow. Or you can be using the your body. Like you could be speaking, you could be performing, and you could be putting all your attention, all your focus at observing the sensations in the body not in your mind, not projecting yourself, not comparing yourself, not being fearful of being judged, but just being second by second, very curious of the sensations. If, if I do it right now, I become mindful that I have tension in my back. So I just stay with it. I feel my legs. I feel the chair. And you just do that. And if you do that, it slows down the experience of flow arrives again. That's one example. Another example, which is the crazy thing about sports is that, and it's very difficult to understand even for top players. When you do a fluid motion, when you do a fluid swing or whatever the sport is, it needs to be fluid in the body. But to be fluid in the body, it needs to be fluid in the brain. And to be fluid in the brain, it means that there's a signal. The signal to do the swing has to come from one place and go to the other place directly, like I wait there. If you start questioning things, if you start trying to control things, then interference. It doesn't go there directly, and then that's where you do all these technical faults that from the outside you're going to say, it's a technical thought, but it has nothing with the nothing to do with the technique. It's something neurological. You fucked up the process in the brain to go from one place to another and to take, like I take that pen. There's no mining, no thinking. The brain does it. It's like swinging. It's like speaking. If you start thinking, the prefrontal cortex, it lights up, and then it's gonna, it's scared. So it's gonna interfere. It's gonna pick up things. It's gonna comment. It's gonna judge. And it's not happening. So the question is, how do you prepare yourself and how do you, what do you do under pressure to make sure that the signal goes from here to there directly? 
And there's a funny thing that the experience for this to happen is the mind doesn't have to be too concrete. If it's too concrete for the mind, then you're in your head. It's intellectual. You're not in the creative brain. So you, you need your brain to be in abstraction, abstract mode. So some tools you can use, like um, in speaking, in golf, in tennis, in whatever you're doing, is you're going to decide that your only objective, your only focus, your only target is, for example, to feel love in your body. To feel, for example, gratitude and love in your body. So you, you put that feeling in your body and then your only objective is to stick, to stay focused on it. And then you enter in the motion, but all the, the, all the brain, all the focus, you stay, you stay on the sensation, you stay on the, on, on the love sensation. And if you do that, you're basically stepping out of your own way and you let your body do, do his work. You let your mouth speak the words and you're in the flow. So you've got different things that you can use to put yourself in this abstraction. But it's very challenging for a competitor because it means that you need to forget about the target. You need to forget about the arrow. You need to forget about the intention. You need to forget about where you're going, which is challenging. But if you do, but if you do it, it changed everything, everything. And I, I, I'm so deep in, in that that I, I bought some, um, at some point I bought some like uh, machines like that can track your um, uh, activity in the brain. And then there's no cheating. So it, it says, are you in the right space or not? And then we practice all these drills and we see that you learn how to put yourself in that space. And then you, you observe by yourself that when you're in that space, the motion goes freely and then you, you perform. So then it progressively changes the belief, the pattern in the brain that you need to control things. <laughs> uh, this is just blowing my brain. I, I said in the beginning when, before you came in, I think you could hear, but I was saying uh, Romain is going to explain what we do better than we can explain it. <laughs> And so much of what you're saying, there's more here. There's, I'm learning a lot, but there's so much of the foundation of what you're sharing here that is what we discovered experientially just through co just trying to get people out of their heads into their bodies and to stop thinking about the speaking. We, we, we went from an, we just experimented with hundreds and hundreds now of thousands of people. And what we've, the conclusions we've come to are so linked to this and yeah, I can't wait to bring this to um to an even deeper level. Yeah, and I, I'm going to give you another example of what you're doing. So what you're doing is you're you're helping helping people helping people to learn how to speak publicly very fast, doing this ultra speaking method, and you're doing it by putting people in the hot seat under pressure. In one minute, they have to deliver something. And they, are, they don't have to break character. They have to stay in it from beginning to the end. They have to stop judging themselves. They have to feel safe. They have to go there and to iterate and learn and learn. And then five weeks together, at the end, you're a different man or a different woman. In golf, 
Um, there's a, a coach that uh, has been training, a mental coach that has been training an, Itali an Italian player for two or three years, and he's been doing the same thing with him. So instead of going to the practice range and eating a thousand balls, like very casually, and then there's no learning, what he will do is that he will put him under pressure. For example, he will like tell him, okay, you're going to run from ear to ear, and then you're going to go in front of the ball, find the target, and hit the ball. So basically what he's doing, what he's teaching him is how to hit balls with, <laughs> with, with no air, with everything fucked up, and still managing to get in a flow under the turbulences. And that's very powerful because all these players, everybody has been training, 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 but they, they're training like they eat millions of balls And then when they go on the course in competition, it's, it's the war in, the head, in their head. All the body, there's some cortisol, all the stress, everything changes. So basically it means that they practice, they practice for nothing because they didn't practice the real condition of the game, of the fight. And that's what you're doing. You're preparing people to feel at ease when it's the war in their head, when, when everything collapses, when you... Forget everything when you have an audience looking at you and say, what's going on? You help people to still stay there, start a sentence without knowing what they are talking about and find their way back and, and end up on their feet and nobody notices it. Like I remember when I took your guitar course, you, you, you really tell people that in music, when people do some mistakes, as long as they stay with it and stick Stick to it and keep playing. Nobody notice it. It's the same with talking, and it's the same with everything in life. If you, if you keep working at it with the same uh, playfulness, enthusiasm, that you keep learning and learning, and then. And the last thing I want to say, coming back at the first question, is what I do with people and I, I, how do I help them? Is that everybody I work with, and I'm the first one in. We fall in the trap that. We want to achieve so many things. We want to perform at so many games. And we live in that world that at some point, once we will have achieved our goals, once we will be number one, then we can relax. Then we can feel proud of ourselves. Then we can remove all the anxiety, all the stress, and we can just be happy to be here and enjoy life. And some people, they devote like 40 years of their life to be the best, to perform at their best, but they have a crappy life. <laughs> and maybe from the outside, everybody wants to be in their, in, their, in, their, in their life, but the reality is that they are miserable. And it's so, so many people in the sport, in the art, in an entrepreneur are miserable. So then... The idea is to switch the, the performance paradigm and to say, okay, just realize that you are doing all these things, but at the end of the, of the day, it's not for the money, it's not for the cars, it's not for the house, it's not, it's just to feel emotions. You want to feel these emotions, you want to feel proud of yourself, you want to feel happy, you want to feel at ease, you want to feel released. So why not create a system where The entry point of the system 
is to practice feeling these emotions. Wake up every morning and to practice feeling proud of yourself, to practice feeling at ease, to practice feeling loved. And then when you do that, two things happen. First thing, you start to enjoy your life. No, three things happen. First thing, you start to enjoy your life. Second thing, you stop being an asshole for everybody around you. Even if you're the superstar, the number one, you stop being an asshole. You start to be a real human being in the present moment, enjoying life and having gratitude for what's there. And third thing is you come to the competition, to the court, to your office with some detachment, some unattachment. Because you know that it's not, it doesn't matter if you end up being number one or if you sell your company one billion. It's not because of that that you are someone, that you can be loved and you can be someone. So all this is gone. And then now you, you get something back, which is something we had when we were a, a, a kid. You get your freedom back. And you're free. And when you're free, acceptance 100% and you perform. And that's it. Wow. Wow. Holy, I, 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 I can't take, I can't take this. This is, uh, I want to do everything you're saying. This is, uh, the best conversation of my life. Um, yeah, it's wow. There's, there's so, there's so much here. Thank yeah. you. Omar. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. I, I want you back. I, I want you back on the show because there's so yeah. much that I want to explore deeper. Oh, yeah. I just want to freestyle. <laughs> okay, then we're also going to freestyle next time. Amazing. Uh, Roma, tell us yeah. tell us where, where people can find you. How do people uh, get involved with your work? Um, it's a good question. Well, I'm hiding myself in Portugal, so they, they can't find me. But otherwise, it's just type my name, like uh, romainbastai.com and I uh, I have a website and they can find me. Amazing. I just posted that. And if, if anybody has a question, a suggestion, or wants to ask me anything, I'd be, I'd be happy to interact. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much for, well, for enlightening you. us and for being here. <laughs> Come on. Truly. Oh, this was, this was fascinating. Yeah. Rama, we'll talk to you soon. Really cool. Take care, guys. It was a pleasure. Cheers, Omar. Thanks, man.